Hello friends. Today I have a special guest, Ilda Kuleba. Ilda, along with her fierce army of 400, has been doing tremendous work in Mozambique to ensure the health and safety of mothers during this extraordinarily challenging time in their lives. Hello, you're listening to the Women of All Action, Wisdom and Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Adrienne Dillard. The Women of All podcast is a podcast that celebrates the everyday woman who in her everyday activities has exhibited action when needed, wisdom as required, and excellence as a routine to make life better for herself, her family, and or her community. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Welcome, Ilda Kuleba. Thank you for joining us on the Women of Awe podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here from so far away. So Ilda, it's all yours. Please share with my friends what it is you do and a little bit about who you are. Thank you so much, Adrian, and thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Ilda Kuleba, and uh, I am a public health professional from Angola, uh, I currently live in Mozambique. I've been here for the last six years. I work for a nonprofit organization called Mothers to Mothers that works to end pediatric AIDS in Africa. And what we do is we train and employ local women living with HIV to, to work as mentor mothers. And their work is to ensure that other women that are also living with HIV are able to stay healthy and ensure that their children are born HIV free. This is called Mothers to Mothers. Yes. Was this an organization that was already established and you just decided to join there? How did you make this connection with Mothers to Mothers? Sure. Yes. So Mothers to Mothers um, started in 2001 in South Africa by a U.S. medical doctor. And he started the organization because he saw that some of his patients who were HIV positive sometimes did not have the, you had outliers, you had women that would take their medication and you had those that wouldn't. And so he thought it would be best to use women who have gone through the experience to counsel others, to be mentors, to be role models. And I, I came across um, the organization years ago and always, and always thought, I hope to one day be able to work with them. And in 2017, when they were starting their operations in Mozambique, I thought, why not? I threw my hat in the ring and was selected as uh, the country director. And I've been leading a team of 400 powerful women um, who, who have to face various adversities every day when it comes to discrimination, when it comes to um, gender-based violence, when it comes to um, making sure that uh, their children are protected, so many of this, but it's, um, it's been definitely a great experience. Wow. You are responsible for 400 women. Okay, so you have the 400 women, and these are women who have HIV? Yes, these okay. are women who have HIV. 
Okay, so they have HIV and these are the women you teach to help other women? That's correct. So mentor mothers are trained and equipped to talk to other women just like them in their communities and to to stay healthy. So they they provide health education, they provide referrals to, to health services, they, they do one-on-one counseling with women. They set up group, um, group uh, activities. Just And they also speak to partners. Nobody can do it better than them. That's what I was just thinking. This is extremely powerful because when you have any kind of illness, it is easier for you to listen to or interact with someone who's basically in the same boat as you because you trust them more because they're going through the same thing. Having these women help other women was a brilliant idea. And I think this this is incredible. What exactly do you do? Do you teach workshops so they know how to train the other women? Yes. So there are 400 mentor mothers, and I also have a a staff of program managers and on the ground trainers that provide the day-to-day support to to, to mentor mothers. So what we do is teach them the basics. How do you speak to someone about HIV? I mean, they're living it, so they know what it's like, but It's important for us to teach them communication skills, Mm -hmm. uh, to teach them empathy, to teach how do you um, how do you deal with a difficult client, a client who refuses to get on medication? Um, How do you um, we even talk to them on how to disclose their status? Some of the women that we've hired and um, and I'll go back to the hired part, some of the, the women that we've hired before working with us, hadn't disclosed it to their families. And it was important for us to equip them and give them that power, that voice to be able to sit with their families and say, I'm HIV positive. Mm -hmm. And this is what I've been living with. And this is, but this doesn't define me, but this is just part of who I am. I'm healthy. I have children. And the best part is when they're able to walk through the, the, um, the treatment and their children come out after, after they've completed the, the, the treatment regimen, their children are, are negative. And I think that's the biggest gift. And Absolutely. so when, and when we've equipped them on the tools on how to speak to other women, oftentimes they just shine. I mean, we have women who come back and I mean, there are employees and they're just like, you guys gave me life. And to be able to speak to another woman who I know what she's going through because I've been there and I tell her I'm HIV positive is just such, they feel like they finally found their calling and an objective in life. And so this is where the work that the mentor mothers do. It's invaluable. It is invaluable. And I'm just, 
I just think power. You're giving these women power when they probably never thought they had anything. They couldn't say or do anything that would have impact on anyone. And look at what you're giving them. You're giving them a sense of purpose, really. Absolutely. And, um, and I see it in the, the stories that they, they bring back from the field, from how they, they talk about mothers to mothers was their first employer. Some women have never had a job. And I think one of the things that sets us apart is that our mental mothers are not volunteers. They're employees. They get a salary every single day, every single month. And so to know that they have a paycheck and to know that they've taken that and many women come back to us and say, I have a house that I built. I have, I could send my children to school. Yesterday, I was reading through one of our success stories. And one woman said that for once, she's able to buy pizza for her children and not have to wait for her husband to do it. And, and you think something that most people wouldn't think twice about. And here she's talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my kids some pizza. You know, it's those small things, though, that we don't think about because many of us have so much. And then you don't re recognize what other people are going through. And that woman, bless her heart, she could now buy pizza for her kids. And, and once again, that's giving her strength and value. She's able to value herself more now because she can do that. I mean, they bought their house. And that's just all about empowering these women. It is. And for me, it's, I, I feel that to see such change, and uh, I've been working with Mothers to Mothers since uh, September of 2017, and we, we started the, the program here in Mozambique, but it's a program that it, it works, we, we operate in nine other countries in, in uh, sub-Saharan Africa, but it's so palpable to see the change. It's so, the, the impact is quite quite evident. I mean, by talking to our mentor mothers and seeing the clients that they touch on an everyday basis makes this very rewarding. Yeah, I can only imagine the gratification you can get from doing something like this because you are really helping and you can see the results of what you're doing. Often we get jobs where we feel like we're useless. We're not really doing anything because we don't see the end result, but you get yeah. to see the results of your work. And that's, that's a tremendous feeling that you're doing something like this to help these women and not just the women, but their families and their you know friends, anyone that they interact with. What do you think was your biggest challenge when you first, if you can remember back that far, when you first started this position as director? Ooh. <laughs> I think one of the biggest challenges was that we were starting from scratch and there was a lot of convincing that we were we would be able to recruit train women to to do this job. I think there was a this perception that most 
women that were HIV positive oftentimes come from a very poor background. They have very low literacy level, and that would make our work even more, it would make it close to impossible to identify women that would be able to do the job. And so there, there was a, on one side, there was convincing to be done. And then the other side, identifying the women with the right profile that were willing to work. And like I said, there's a lot of discrimination. And so some women who are HIV positive didn't feel 100% confident that they wanted to do this because in, in many ways, this was putting them in a spotlight. And if you haven't disclosed to your family, and if every time you go to the health facility, you're making up a story as to why you're going there, how do you then become a mentor mother or a role model to other women? So I think the challenge was to change the perception people that, oh, they can do it. Okay, yes, she, has a, she, she hasn't finished high school, but if she can read and write and she's committed to learning, we can do this. And you know, four years later, I have people come back and say, well, I think you guys just have different types of women working for you. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but we just, had, we, we just believed in the, the women that we, had, we found and we've dedicated our time in making sure that we brought the best out of them. Beautiful, that's, that's wonderful. I'm sure you have criteria. So what type of criteria do you use when you select the women? So one of the, 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 the first thing is that they have to be HIV positive, of course. And we, we do look for women who have gone through the prevention mother to child treatment. So they have to have gone through it, meaning that they know what it is like to go to the facility, to get the medication, what it means to take the medication, what it means to take care of a child who they've had a child and they've had to take the child through the treatment regimen as well. That helps us in, that makes it easier when we're talking about the different challenges, the different, how they engage with the, with the health facility, that woman could speak to that. And it's also important that they read and write we do need women that can write down what they're capturing from their clients. They can read the material that we're providing for them. And we also want them to be from the community in which we're working. Sure. It's important that they speak the local language so that they can transmit the information in a way that is understand it understandable for um for their for their clients right yeah and we also i think one thing 
that I, I think it's kind of our like our secret sauce is making sure that they've disclosed their, their status to at least one person. Because I think it's important for them to have disclosed, but also to be willing to disclose when they're engaging with their clients. Because we don't want their clients to perceive them just like just like another healthcare mm-hmm. provider, but sure. we want them to their client to know that I'm speaking to someone who is walking or who has walked in my shoes. Right. Okay. All those make sense. And they seem they seem to be basic criteria. I don't, there's nothing really extravagant here or unusual that you ask of these women. I guess yeah. maybe, you know, based on the area, maybe the probably the most challenging one is the reading and writing. But mm-hmm. other than that, it looks to be pretty, you know, a basic, simple list of criteria. So it's a shame that people had that stigma attached to these women thinking that they couldn't do it, that you wouldn't be able to get enough women to do it. Yeah, definitely. And, think, and look at that. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> We've got plenty of women to do it. Exactly. I hope this also helps other people see that, yes, the women can do things and it's okay to hire them for a job because they are capable. You just have to teach them what they need to do. Exactly. You nurture those skills and take the time to bring it out of them. Sometimes it's a, it's a lack of confidence because nobody's ever given them that sort of attention or, uh, they just haven't been exposed to to these opportunities. Right. But it's definitely possible. You said several years prior to joining Mothers to Mothers, you said, I want to join that organization. <laughs> what made you feel that way? What had you heard about them? Or maybe you met someone along the way who influenced you with regard to them? What made you decide you really wanted to join them? So I'm a public health uh, professional. I, I have a, um, I became interested in, I, I always knew I was going to work in, in development. I wanted to work in Africa and um, I was going to do a job that would help improve the lives of many. I, it was something that I, I, I think from the age of 16, when I first uh, volunteered at the Mother Teresa Orphanage. At the time, I lived in Ethiopia with my parents, um, and um, that was that was when my journey began. So I knew I wanted to do this type of work. What it would look like, where I wasn't sure. Um, and then I, after I was done with my master's degree, I went back to Angola. Started working. Uh, first for um, USAID, the U.S. Agency for International Development, and then I moved and worked for a a U.S.-based international NGO. Uh, And through this experience, I've always worked in HIV or family planning, uh, worked with uh, communities that are uh, disadvantaged, um, and And mothers to mothers, I think working with children and women uh, spoke to me. And so it's it's a it's so easy to fall in love with with the with the work that we do. I mean, who doesn't want to see a child thriving? And so to know that 
at the time they'd done so much great work and today even, I mean, it just keeps growing. I mean, the number of women that have been employed by the organization, 11,000 women and knowing that um, millions of women and children uh, have been touched by this program and knowing that so many children have also um, not are born HIV free because of mentor mothers. I mean, it, it's uh, it's uh, just um, it's a great place to to be. Yeah, and and it's kind of overwhelming when you start thinking about the numbers. You in the think that you've had so much impact on these families. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's just tremendous. Let's say there's a young person coming up. She knows about you or what your organization does, and she wants to get involved. What should she do? I think if if there's someone who wants to get involved in doing HIV work, one, and I don't know at what stage they are, but I think one thing is start start reading up on what it is, mm-hmm. and are they in school and doing. Uh, are they taking the, the right courses? Okay. Um, are they volunteering at the, at the right places? Um, just to get acquainted with the work that, that is involved in NGO. Uh, okay, it's imp- yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, I was gonna say, l- l- let's say it's someone who is just about to go to college. How would you guide them? What would you tell them? Sure. So I think one of the things I would say is volunteer as much as possible. So what are the causes that make them tick? So when I went to to college, I did international relations. I focused on international development. I I did a lot of, um, I, I tutored young children. I um, at the, I went to, to American University in Washington, D.C. And so there was a lot of um, just different, tried to expose myself as much as possible to the different organizations that did work that interested me. Okay. So if a, if, a, if a senior in high school is looking to do something similar, volunteer at your local um, yeah, at a local NGO that works with populations or causes that you you're, you would like to um, to work in. It's also great to find a mentor. I think we often think of mentors um, later on in our in our careers. I think the first time I had a mentor, I was probably I'm, I want to say five, six, if not more years into in my career. Wow. Like. Find a mentor. I think it's important to have someone who can speak to their experience and maybe help you avoid some of the pitfalls and um, show you not the right direction, because I don't know that there's a right way to do this, but definitely point you in the um, point you in the direction that they may feel that it, would avoid some delays when it comes to career progression. 
Yeah, I also think that there's so many internships. Once you're in college, go for those internships. Um, if you're in the U.S., make sure that you do study abroad. If if you are apt or you think that you want to to have an international career, those study abroad programs are are great. Well, I just thought of an acronym for what you said, VIMS. <laughs> <laughs> volunteer oh, now see I've lost it volunteer mentor now you added study study abroad what was the I huh internship internship right so now there's your there's your acronym VIMS volunteer intern mentoring and study abroad so there you go yeah. now you have an acronym that you can use <laughs> thank you <laughs> to encourage people to do this no because that's really useful and coming from someone who's done it what you did and what you would suggest, I think is valuable because you're actually, you're actually the one who's gone through this. And that's why I wanted to know, because I'm sure there are people who will want to do what you're doing or something similar. And those helpful tips will be valuable along the way. And it'll save them a lot of time and frustration, I think. Definitely. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to talk about anything that you'd like to talk about. There's so many stories that stick with me. I think not speaking of one in particular, but just looking at the, the, last, uh, the last 18 to 24 months, I think many of, um, many of our, I mean, we had, had to keep doing the work. We've, we haven't stopped. Right. And um, I think more than ever, uh, mentor mothers were considered frontline workers during this time. And so they were going to the facilities. They had to mask up. They, they had to make sure that um, they were there for their clients. We did have to scale back on the number of, of people that were at the facility at one particular time. But all this to say that they've been right in the forefront, making sure that Clients weren't going without any medication, that the good part of the counseling was still happening. We pivoted on making phone calls and providing that one-on-one support to our clients. Really try to find creative ways so that we don't have a case of children who were become affected because there are all these restrictions. Sure. So um, I think uh, their tenacity, the courage that you see is really what pushes and motivates all of us that are doing more of the management side of things. We're not the ones um, at the facility or going to, to the communities door to door, but keeps us going. Yeah. It keeps us saying, how could we make sure that they're well taken care of? So making sure that the masks are there. Luckily, more than 90% of our mental mothers have been vaccinated. And to us, that is, that, that's such a, a great uh, accomplishment. That's significant, 90%. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. I'm going to let you go in just a moment, but I know you kind of just said what a woman of awe would mean to you, but would there be something, some other way that you would describe who a woman of awe was or what that meant to you? 
A woman of awe. Um, yeah, um, I think of I think of the many women in my in my life um, outside work. I think of my mother. I think of my grandmothers. I think, in particular, uh, my maternal grandmother who who passed away last summer, and I was unable to be there to to say goodbye. But she. She's a woman of awe just because she was a mother of eight and probably lost a few along the way. Um, having been from a, uh, when um, Angola went into war, lived in neighboring Congo for 25 years, making sure that her children were able to go to school. I know she was illiterate, but managed to the best of her ability with alongside her husband to make sure that her children went to school, her children aspired for something. And, and when I moved back to Angola many years ago, I made a point of visiting her every Sunday and just listening to her precious advice and wisdom. And she would always, at some point would always say, you know, all you have to do is, is not knock, ask and receive, you know, you knock and you ask, and you shall receive. So that's how you should live your life by, by thinking about that. And uh, she, yeah, I never saw her not doing anything, laying around. That, that was not even an image I can, I can conjure up in my mind. Uh, so when she did become a little bit more uh, uh, weaker than what I remembered her, it was, it was difficult to to reconcile, but uh, I think she leaves behind uh, a great legacy in her children and her grandchildren who've gone on to do great things. I don't know that at the time she left her home um, in 1950s to go to an unknown country she would have thought that one day her granddaughter would be here speaking to you. you yeah. know? So I think to me, she's a woman of awe, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I love to hear stories about the grandmoms and the moms because, I mean, those are our role models. And definitely. I love that story. And it reminds me of my grandmother, my mother. They, they're always doing, always. If you see them not doing, you know something seriously wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. So I'm going to get ready to let you go. But one more question. Where can our listeners connect to you or Mothers to Mothers online? Well, Mothers to Mothers, all they have to do is www.m2m.org. They'll find all the information and they can also find, uh, they can also go to Instagram and Facebook and they'll find a lot of, a um, lot of news and, and activities on what we do. Uh, with me in particular, they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Ilda Kuleba, and they'll, they'll find me there and what I've done. Okay, sounds good. And M2M, that's M, the letter M, two is the number two? Yes. Okay, all right, m2m.org. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Ilda. It has truly been a pleasure. Good seeing you again. It's been a little while, but very nice to, to connect with you today. And thank you for accepting our invitation to be a guest on the Women of All podcast.
Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Hi, friends. I thought I'd pop in for a moment to let you know that you can now get Women of All gear. That's right. You can get t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies. Just log on to bonfire.com backslash store backslash women dash of dash all dash gear. You may also visit our Facebook page to get the link from there. Thanks a lot for your support. Bye. Thank you for joining me on the Women of All Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. If you are a woman of all or know someone who you think would be a good fit for the podcast, please contact me via email, womenofall at adriandillard.com, or you can post to our Facebook page. Always remember to be the best you that you can be. That is the best path to excellence. I hope you can join us next week. Please don't forget to support us by subscribing and leaving a review.